Woo! What a beautiful day to be alive. What an amazing episode we have for you today. Welcome to the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Knudy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. And if you're returning, welcome back, my friend. We have an amazing episode for you today. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD, simply the gold standard by which CBD companies should be measured. If you heard me talk about CBD before and you have not gotten it, if you have not visited PureSpectrumCBD.com and use promo code OCY and save 10%, now is the time. If you have any sort of aches and pains, like me, I got this little elbow issue. I use the topical. It helps out immensely by reducing the inflammation. If you have trouble sleeping, if you've noticed some increased anxiety or depression during this whole crazy time we got going on, you're not alone. Just like me, get the 2,500 milligram black label drops. I use them underneath my tongue every single night before I go to bed. I've noticed a noticeable difference. So visit PureSpectrumCBD.com. Use promo code OCY at checkout. You're going to say 10% on your entire order. That's PureSpectrumCBD.com. Promo code OCY. My guest today is three-time world Bellator champion, Michael Chandler, and he just had his UFC debut, and it might have been one of the best debuts in the history of the UFC. He came on the podcast, and we just talked about life. We just talked about success. We talked about what it takes to become a champion. We talked about overcoming those very difficult, down, dark times. You know, when he started his MMA career, he came out just crushing people. He went straight 12-0. and and then he went through a downtime, 688 days without a win. And he talks about the mental side of that and how he pushed through. And he talks about just how to become a champion, how it's just showing up day in and day out, doing the mundane things day in and day out, brick by boring brick. But he says it in such an eloquent, profound way. And man, I'm telling you, whatever you do, if you are a parent or if you've ever been a child, Wait to the end and wait when he talks about being a father to his son. It will it will move you and it will pull it at your heartstrings. He is uh, just an amazing man. He's got some amazing things going on. He's going to be a champion in the UFC, and I just love talking to him. So please welcome my guest today, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, what an amazing debut, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a way to uh, come in hot and heavy into the UFC, huh? Yeah. It was, uh, as I said in my post-fight speech, all roads kind of led to that moment. You know, it was, everything worked out perfectly. Um, couldn't have felt better. Couldn't have been more confident. Yeah. Get one out there, got the win, and now it's off to the races. How'd you feel after that? Man, uh, judging by the the post fight celebrational backflip, like just elation, the hugs of my teammates. I mean, I've been on this journey for a really long time, and I yeah. feel like, uh, you know, not quite getting. I don't want to say recognition or, or respect or any of that kind of surface level narcissist narcissistic stuff. But I mean, there was a part of me that that I always knew I was one of the best in the world, or at least I thought I was. And I could say it, but people would always say, well, you, you haven't proven it yet because you haven't done it in the UFC. Sure. So to be able to do it on the stage that I did it on, co-main event of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view, UFC 257, tens of millions of eyeballs, the biggest introduction I could have possibly had into the UFC. Um, and then to not feel any pressure and then to go out there and get the first round finish. <clears throat> every time you get a finish, every time a fight is over and there's no more chance of anything bad going wrong because when yeah. you're in a fight, 
there's always a split second. If that fight is still going on, you could lose that fight at any moment. Yeah. That's the craziest part of, part about mixed martial arts. So once it's over, the weight is lifted, but this one was special. Yeah, for sure. And I got to be honest, I'm with Dana on this. Every single time you guys get on, after you win, you get on top of that cage and do that backflip. I go, there goes an ankle. There goes an ankle. There goes an ankle. Because there was that one dude that won and he went to go do the uh, do the oh, worm. The worm, yeah. And he busted his arm. Johnny, Johnny Walker. Yeah, like, I'm like, that's going to happen. Don't do it. Yeah, so and actually the funny thing is, it was great for entertainment value, but it was definitely ill-advised yeah. in all other aspects. And I have actually never in my life done a backflip off of the cage. So I do a lot of backflips. Like, that's your first time doing it? First time ever. So I figured, okay, hell, well, something in me said, well, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it on the biggest stage possible. So if you blow out both your legs and your back and your neck and your spine, uh, tens of millions of people have to see it. But yeah. um, So I had never done one off the back, off the cage, but I, I do do them on the, you know, on the canvas quite a bit after a win. But for some reason, as fate would have it, yeah, you know the wind, the the elation of the wind took control of my body and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jumped off the cage. Well, brother, you um, you're back to back media, you know, before, after, and you talk about fighting, you talk about how how to get there. But I want to kind of change that a little bit because you've talked about the training, you've talked about all that. I want to get into the mindset, and I want to get into kind of the bad times. And the one thing I always say is. I don't want to dwell on that, but especially right now, we were talking a little bit before, there's a lot of people going through some tough times and maybe battling some inner mental demons. And in order to get to your position now, you've had to do that multiple times throughout your career. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had to deal with self-talk. You had to deal with maybe self-doubt. And the reason why you're where you're at is because you've had to figure out how to overcome that. And so the thing that I was telling you before is that you know, hey, when I was battling my depression, somebody's story helped me. So, and I know if you tell your story and kind of go through some of the things I'm hoping that you'll be open and vulnerable, be willing to share about, it's going to, someone's going to hear it and go, oh, I, I admired Chandler so much. And if he went through that, I'm going through that right now. And that's how he did it. Mm-hmm. Then maybe he can, he or she can get through that next hour, next day. Um, and then maybe kind of slowly turn their life around. So I want to kind of start with when your MMA career started, you came out gangbusters perfect 12 and 0 and then you went 688 days without a win three losses in a row two questions with that or two things to talk about one can you tell us what you were thinking about and i want to know the bad things because i want people to hear that somebody else maybe thinks like thinks like that if you did Mm -hmm. and then what did you do connecting the dots going backwards what did you do to overcome that and now being here, being a champion, or soon to be a champion, three-time world champion, killing it, um, and all that kind of thing. So during that 688 days, what was going through your mind? And how'd you overcome it? How'd you come out of it? So yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely the toughest time in my life. And then you alluded to it. So success is success is what we aim for, right? We we want to be successful. We want to, for me, win fights, win world titles. For for a person in the corporate business world, climb the ladder, make more money, make a bigger impact, increase increase the the sales, increase the accounts, increase, increase, increase. So success is always the byproduct of your hard work and your self-belief and all these things. And it's always what you're aiming at. But for me, what I realized, and now when I, when I unpack and I look back at it, was that I was doing everything physically over and above what I needed to do. I was doing everything from a discipline, discipline standpoint. I was eating perfectly. I was sleeping perfectly. I was running through a brick wall for my coaches for for my training sake in order to be successful but what i wasn't doing was building building up my mind building up my self-image building up my 
my self-worth. And when I did find myself losing that first fight, it's 12 and 0, lost that first fight to Eddie Alvarez back in, um, mm -hmm. I believe it was 2013. Immediately something in me shifted that I completely forgot how good I was. And immediately I went into this self-deprecating mindset of, because we hear it all the time, especially when you're in a position like me, the media, half of the media says, man, he's the next big thing. But the other half is saying, yeah, but we aren't right. quite sold on him yet. He's not that good. Or you hear the fans, one saying, man, he's the best. I can't wait for him to win a world title. And then you hear for each one of those, you hear 10 saying, yeah, but he's not that good. He gasses out his, his cardio is not that good. He's not that athletic. Right. He's not that he's not as good as everybody thinks he is. He's, he's overhyped. He's a hype train. So for me, I chose to listen to the negative media. I chose to listen to the negative comments. I chose to listen to those negative external things, which in turn turned into negative internal thoughts. You start thoughts, saying those things to yourself. Internal thoughts, internal <clears throat> beliefs, internal stories that I told myself. And really for me, what it was, and we can get into it later, was it was really just me from the very beginning of my life. I was taught to play small. I was a small guy from a small town who was taught to do small things. And it yeah. was... It was glorified to do small things because if you go do big things, if you go outside those county lines, the chances are you're going to fall flat on your face and falling flat on your face or failing is the worst thing that you can possibly do. And now as a 34, almost 35 year old with a lot of success under my, under my belt, I realize that those failures are actually the most important catalysts sure. that turn into success. But I just got into a, a mindset of, okay, Michael, maybe they were, maybe they were right. You are an imposter because that little guy from that little town who's he's in here, he's still in here today. And I yeah. can win the world title 10 times over. I can make a billion dollars. I can impact a trillion people. But that little guy is still going to be in here. And he's always going to be he's always going to be willing and ready to rear his head at every single little yeah. failure. You know, I, I, I would say like he's got a megaphone screaming at you about your successes, but he's whispering about your accomplishments. Every time you accomplish something, we don't take the time to pat ourselves on the back, you know. And I hadn't done that. I hadn't pat myself on the back because it was I was a blue collar, small town kid from the Midwest. My dad was a carpenter, pulled himself up by his bootstraps every morning at 5 a.m. My mom was a secretary. They both worked two and three jobs. They were just middle class and they're great people, but they didn't have that 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 glimmer in their eye to go win the world like I know God placed on my heart. Sure. Um, so that was kind of the story that was telling itself, but I kind of suppressed it having the success. But as soon as I had that first failure... I fell into that spiral. That spiral turned into bad mental, a bad mindset turned into another loss, which turned into another loss. And it spirals quickly. It does. It spirals quickly, and you start making excuses. You start making jokes. You know, after my after my third loss, I remember always joking with my wife. Well, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose three in a row, and we would joke, or she wouldn't joke. She'd be like, "Well, that's not that's not good for you. You shouldn't right. say that." But I would. That was just my way. Comedy. We have this way of making tragedy into comedy and it yeah, just that's how yeah. we cope with it and it was a it was a tough time and and uh luckily you know came out of it yeah you know you and i have a similar upbringing so your dad was a carpenter my dad installed carpet and so he was up before i got up and but i wanted i was wondering if you felt the same way that i felt that i just my dad never made more than 55 grand a year and never helped anybody, never did nonprofits or anything. And so once I got a little bit above him, I almost felt like, like, oh, you're, you're, you're not good enough to do that. Or I was kind of like self-sabotaging myself mm -hmm. because I was like, just kind of thinking, Hey, I couldn't be this big thing or like, who the hell am I to have a podcast? Who's going to listen to me? 
kind of have that imposter sy syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I think that was instilled just from no fault of my parents, but just because that's all they all that they knew. And you don't mm -hmm. know what you don't know. Did you kind of go through something similar to that or yeah. just guessing? No, no, a thousand percent. I mean, that, and that's, and truthfully, as I started to have success, I mean, I, went, I won my first world title and, or I won the Bellator tournament and I'm holding this big check for a hundred thousand dollars and that those zeros with that dollar sign next to it, it made me feel uncomfortable. It yeah. made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, I mean, even still to this day, I look at my bank account and I'm like, man, dude, like, are, are you, you sure? not supposed to have that much money? You're not supposed to do this. You know, you know, and it's, and as we said, it, it wasn't because, you know, our parents didn't want not that our parents wanted us to live at a certain level or, or not exceed expectations. It was just, they had to do what they, the best that they could with the, the information and the circumstances that they had. Um, and still to this day, my parents, I am who I am and where I am because of the hard work, the dedication, the example that Mike and Betty Chandler set for me. Yeah. The, the integrity, the character, the working extremely hard, the, the never taking something that doesn't belong to you, the, the, the being giving of your time. Um, and I, so I dealt with a lot of that. Um, and I also, I also, as you said, it was an, it was more of an imposter syndrome and there was that self-sabotage. And for me, it was, it was, for me, I got, I say I'm, I'm blessed by my journey that I took and I wrestled in high school was never a state champion. So I walked on to the university of Missouri and as a walk on, you're kind of the lowest guy on the totem pole. You're the guy who has to work extra, the guy who doesn't get a lot of respect. Yeah. Coaches expect you to quit or they expect you to be a punching bag, a, a workout dummy for the next five years. And maybe he ends up, maybe he ends up becoming an all American or making the team. But for us, it was no investment because we didn't have to spend any money on him with, right. for scholarships. So I, I had that mentality. And then I fell short in college. I, I never won a national title, but I became an All-American. And there was these big matches, these big opportunities, these big moments where I had the opportunity to give myself permission to win, but instead I gave myself permission to lose. Mm. And I think that's what we do. And it, it goes back yeah. to that self-sabotage. When I'm up by four points, you know, the, these names want me to think, but I'm up by four points against C.P. Schlater, who's the number three-ranked kid and the guy in the country, and I'm up by four points going into the third period, yet somehow I find a way to, to get taken down twice in, the, twice in the third period, lose the match. I walk back to the, the corner and my coaches are just like, what happened? And I feel like we, we all have these moments where it's like, my talent level is here, my work ethic is here, I'm doing everything right, yet my performance is here. And my performance is here, not because of lack of try, not because of lack of physical attributes, talent. It was all in the mindset. <clears throat> it was all in the giving yourself permission to lose instead of giving yourself permission to win. And there's this, I had that transition. As soon as I graduated college, I looked back at my college career and I thought, man, I did everything right. I deserve to be the best. I deserve to be a national champion. I told you, 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 the reporters, the coaches, parents, people around me that I was going to be a national champion, but I didn't truly believe it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I graduated college, got done, looked back and realized I wasted a bunch of time, a lot of, a lot of talent that God gave me that I said, okay, from now on, instead of giving myself permission to, to lose, I'm going to give myself permission to be the best. At the end of the day, somebody has to be the best. Why shouldn't it be you? How do you do that? How do you do that in your mind? How do you make that shift? So as I said, luckily for me, it was almost like I got a new lease on life. I got a new, I mean, it, it could be likened to, you know, as we spoke off camera about being in the corporate world, maybe in the corporate world, you, at this certain business or this certain avenue, you self-sabotage yourself. It's almost like you could just rip that chapter up, move into a new chapter and just become a new person, become mm -hmm. a new, 
a, a, a different person. And that's really what I, what I did. I, I chose to put my best foot forward in the confidence, in the confident expectancy of the, of the calling on my life, the calling that God put in my heart on my life, yeah. these visions of me being successful, although they made me feel uncomfortable, I knew that they were God ordained. They were God given. It was the discernment of the God who had had me in the palm of his hand my entire life. And I had a lot of failures and I had a lot of setbacks, but he still said, keep going forward. This is still your calling. So I was able to transition into a new, for me, it was a very similar career path. I mean, one was hand-to-hand combat wrestling moves points. Sure. The next was hand-to-hand combat in a cage under the lights in front of millions of people. So it's similar, similar job description, but a new lease on life, if you will. Yeah. And I just said, man, when I take this journey into mixed martial arts, somebody has to be the best. Why shouldn't it be you? I'm going to give myself permission to be the best. So through meditation, self-talk in visualization, you feel like you, that's kind of your mental picture. And then you said something there too. And I want to make sure I understand it because I think it's really crucial is when you start to visualize something, start to visualize being a champion, start to visualize um, dethroning Joe Rogan as, as a greatest podcaster. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, Joe, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, we start to visualize it. You are not going to believe it. Yep. And it takes time and time and time. And same thing with affirmations. Affirmations get a really bad rap. BS, bull crap, look in the mirror, smile. That's all That's all garbage. But what I can tell you from my personal view, and, and maybe the visualization happened with you, is that you start to say, say those things like, yes, I can do this, or yes, I am good looking, or whatever it is, and you don't believe it. And then somewhere along the lines, it's not like a revelation. It's all of a sudden you're saying it, but you don't disbelieve it. Yeah. And so it's just- You wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. Yeah. You go from being extremely surprised, like I said, it felt uncomfortable, yeah. but eventually it's almost like you wear yourself down. It's, you know, there's, there's science behind it. The, yeah. the, the neuroplasticity in your brain actually being able to, to mold it, actually being able to experience something. I mean, I experienced that UFC debut a thousand times in my mind before I actually stepped into the, onto that yeah. canvas. I didn't know exactly what it felt like. I didn't know exactly what it smelled like. I didn't know exactly what the lights were going to feel like. I didn't Truthfully, I thought there would be a crowd in my UFC debut or a big crowd. I thought it was going to be at the MGM Grand or the T-Mobile Arena or maybe it was against Conor McGregor. Maybe it was against Khabib. Maybe it was against whoever. But it was a guy with two arms and two legs. I'm in the UFC octagon. I got the weight of the world on my shoulders and on the UFC debut, but I was going to feel like it was more of an opportunity than than it was something that was weighing heavy on me. And I was in that I was in that UFC octagon a thousand times before I actually got there. And... It felt uncomfortable many, many times in the past, but when it finally came to a head and all those roads led to that moment, I had already been there and it was time to take that opportunity. And I told myself it was going to be the best performance of my life. And truth be told, I think it was the best performance of my life. Yeah, it it shows. It shows. You know, you said something there and I think maybe you'll probably agree or when other people sat in your chair, Olympic level athletes or, um, you know, rock stars or whatever, Somewhere along the lines, either on camera, off camera, you know, I asked um, these individuals, you know, are you the best? And they always say no. Like um, April Ross is, I think, owns the most um, gold medals for beach volleyball player than anybody in the history. Mm-hmm. Um, Duddy B from the Dirty Heads, you know, sold out 35,000 people. And they all said, no, like, I'm not the best writer. I'm not the best musician. I'm not the best volleyball player. But what they are is consistent. And you did the visualization through consistency. And I wanted to ask you something and see if you agree. And let me get through it. I feel more and more as I get older, 38 years old now, that success is very, it's very boring. And what I mean by that, on paper, 
on paper to be a champion, the outline is very simple. Wake up, drink water, eat healthy, go to the gym, recovery, go to the gym, yeah. go to sleep. Wake up, drink water, eat healthy, go to the gym, recover, go to the gym, sleep. Like that's very simple. On repeat, yeah. And the same thing I'm talking with, um, do you know what Phil Heath is? Yeah. So I'm trying to get him on the podcast as well. And I was talking with some people. It's like, do you know how mundane it is to eat tilapia and rice for months at a time? Do you know how mundane it is for you to go throw a jab yeah. you know, 70 times? It seems like consistency is the real root of success. Charlie Munger, um, Warren Buffett's uh, right-hand man, has a word that he just, that I love. It's called assiduity. And, you know, in his ho-hum Oklahoma definition, he goes, assiduity, the definition is that stick your ass in the chair and do it. Yeah, and so, assiduity. I like that, man. Wouldn't you, would you agree that, granted, I don't want to take anything away from, from you, but it's the process. People talk about go in love with the process, but it's, you wake up most likely more days not wanting to go to the gym than you do. Would you agree with that? And then how do you push through? Like, how do you get over the times where you don't want to go? I will say, I will disagree with that. I actually, and this is just me personally, and I don't know if this is just a God-given ability, uh, a a God-given, you know, just something that comes natural to me, but I wake up feeling blessed to be able to do what I do. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah, it's it really, really stinks. Like you said, I mean, if if the viewers saw every single thing that I ate for the for twelve weeks straight, and I drive by, I drive to the gym and I pass the pizza joint and I pass Chick Fil A, which is my favorite. I pass yeah. the the frozen yogurt spot. I my wife's in in Nashville. She sends me a picture of a beautiful face with a glass of wine, and I'm like, I just ah. want to be on the couch sipping wine with my favorite person on earth. But I know the calling on my life requires me to drink these BCAAs, this water and eat this mega fit meal with chicken and broccoli, you know? Um, but what it all goes back to, I think for, for me is the most powerful, the most powerful thing that I have going for me besides the work ethic, besides talent, I will never, ever negate the fact that I have some great God given abilities. And I think that's, it, it needs to start there also, but also the greatest superpower that I have is gratitude. Mm. I, Cause you know, I mean, truthfully, let's never forget that Michael Chandler is supposed to be back in High Ridge, Missouri, working at Dobbs Tires, or yeah. maybe I followed my dad's footsteps and I was gonna have my whites and I was gonna have sawdust on my sawdust on my pants and I was gonna clock in every day and have my lunch pail and have my work boots, um, or I was gonna be a, a coach and a, a teacher at Northwest High School, and, and all of those things would have been just as gratifying and just as edifying, but it just wasn't the calling that God had on my life. It was to do exactly what I'm doing. So I feel like I have a new lease on life. I have, I'm, I'm on borrowed time. I've already had a phenomenal career. I've already made a great living. I've already cemented a legacy, a legacy, a legacy head and shoulders above what I was supposed to accomplish. And I can go back, I can go back to where I came from and people, people think, man, I can't believe what you've done. And I'm like, man, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I truly want to do yet. But it's that gratitude where I wake up every single morning. Number one, I got two capable legs and two capable arms. And chances are 98% of your viewer viewers, maybe they're, they're, they're lacking here, but physically they got two capable legs. They got two capable arms. They have this whole beautiful world. I just broke my watch. Ah. Oh, this whole beautiful world that God has blessed them with this playground that we get to go be a part of and go accomplish what it is that we want to accomplish. It's it, but we don't have the gratitude for these things that we take for granted. And for me, 
I never want to take for granted the, my health. I never want to take for granted this opportunity, these platforms, this, this voice that I've been given. And so for me, it's not, a, it's not hard to wake up in the morning and go do the work. It's not hard for me because even my wife is like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I ordered this food and I'm like, babe, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't, doesn't it doesn't because it doesn't tempt me because it's almost like I'm given that extra bit of willpower, that extra bit of discipline, that extra bit of that extra bit of calling that the, the, the belief in my calling in those moments where I eat chicken and broccoli and maybe she wants to eat a pizza, which she right. does rarely does or whatever. But if I'm with people who are eating a pizza, it just, it's always just come natural to me. I've done it since I was 13, 14 years old. And now the stakes are higher. The checks are bigger, the lights are brighter, the impact is bigger, the, the platform is bigger. And as it just continues to grow, I just it just keeps being revealed to me more and more, Michael, take a hold of this blessing and realize how truly powerful it can be given the hard work, the, dis- the discipline and the uh, what'd you call it? Assiduity. Assiduity. Me, you know, for him, it's sitting in, it's sitting in his chair and it's typing and it's trading stocks. But for me, it's a acidity. It's me going to the gym. It's the acid disciplinity. It's like, get your ass into the gym, get your ass into the discipline. (laughs) You know, so, so I like that. I like that, uh, that, the definition, the, the word, which obviously yeah. it's not in the Webster's dictionary. So don't nobody look it up and yeah. sorry for the profanity, I guess, but, <laughs> but I like, I love it. You know, I love, because really what it is, success is always just reverse engineered into basic principles performed daily, constantly brick by boring brick and yeah. persevering and winning through patience because it's not that people don't do the right things. It's that people don't do the right things for long enough. Yes. The amount of people that have quit right before they were about to get their breakthrough. The, the amount of people that, that quit right before they were about to shake that hand and make that eye contact that was about to turn into the biggest opportunity of their life, but because they decided to just quit that day, yeah. there's so many of those people that, that missed out on God's best for their lives because they didn't stick to it for long enough. Yeah, I think you said two things there that I want to point out for the listeners, so many hearing that is the gratitude process that you go through is extremely important, but it does two things. One, I connect with it. It just happened the other day. I was one of those, not awe-inspiring, just those random things where I was like, wow, that was really cool. I was sitting there washing dishes. I just made dinner for a bunch of my friends and they left and sitting there washing dishes. I don't want to wash the dishes. And for some reason, I did some gratitude that, that morning and I was so, I was like, I'm so lucky to have dishes to wash which sounds so mundane but what was happening i was gratitude but then i was in the present moment when you're in the present moment sitting there you you don't think about you don't have the comparison thing that we were talking about before you don't have the oh what if what if this happens or what if that doesn't happen if you can be in the moment more often and be grateful for what you have i think it's just you're easy it's easier to do the things that maybe you don't want to do mm-hmm. because I'll be very honest. This is the, the fun part for me. I'm, I feel so lucky and so grateful that I get to talk to you, but the editing and the social media stuff behind the, behind the scenes, like that's not, that's not fun for me, mm-hmm. but this is, this is fun for me. But because I know, like I said before, my, my whole goal and mission is to help those people that are listening because somebody helped me, someone's story helped me. And so when I'm in the moment going, what if another Josh is sitting there in that flea bag motel ready to take his life and he heard this conversation and I don't do the right thing, I don't mm-hmm. edit it right, or I don't put it that out, I'm failing that individual and how, what a detriment to that person or a detriment mm-hmm. to the people if I don't do that 
be grateful for what I have and, and push that out. I just think it's so, just works so well together. Have that gratitude and then be in the moment. I think you'll be able to push through the things you don't want to do more often. Well, that, that too, I mean, and, and true, when you think about principles of success, I mean, we all have things that we don't want to do, but you got to do what you need to do, not what you want to do. Mm. You know, I mean, of course, what, what do I want to do? I want to land that one punch that knocks out Dan Hooker and then I do the backflip and I hug my coaches and I get all the media buzz and I collect my paycheck yeah. and I get to do all this. That's what I want to do. But what I needed to do over the last 12 weeks was do all the training and all the discipline and all the, the grinding and, and in the trenches and in the mud and in the, in the muck. That's all the stuff that I needed to do. And so in order to get to what you want to do, you have to do what you need to do, you know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's really just that is the basic principle of life. And if you if you want to sit if you want to sit back and say, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Maybe maybe you are doing some things that you don't you know, need to do and it's taking you away from your goals. But we all know what we need to do. We, and it's just like I tell yeah. when I speak to speak to the youth, I speak to 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 a, a young group of, of kids, it's like, hey, you know, if we're, maybe I speak to a wrestling team and it's like, there's 35 kids here sitting here. Listen, if you want to be a state champion, you know the other kids in this room right now that want to be state champions. And then you know the other 10, 15 that are just kind of here. They're, you know, smoking weed behind the bleachers. They're going to the parties. They're the one texting you, hey, come out with us. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. You know you know who they are and then you know who they are and then you get to make the choice. It's, it's black and white. It's pretty simple. Are you going to follow this crowd or are you going to follow that crowd? And it's, that's how it was in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and on and on and on and on, on into life and, and yeah. surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, and then always doing what you need to do for the greater good of the common goal, you know? Sure. And that's um, kind of going back to the, the self-worth and stuff too. I think one of the hardest things that we do is we have this big goal in mind. And if it's like, if my goal is to be a millionaire and each day I look at my bank account and there's not a million dollars in there, of course you have failed that day. Right. Yep. So, but it's, and instead of looking every single, looking at every single day, like there's all these ways to fail. Why not make a to-do list of all these small things that you can get done that will become accomplishments. Sure. I mean, I'm talking about like things like making your bed. I'm talking about things like doing the dishes. I'm talking about things like that pile of laundry that's sitting in, in the corner of your room. These are all accomplishments that can be, be made yeah. because if you can't trust yourself to do the small things, how are you ever going to be able to trust yourself in your greatest opportunity at the biggest moment, yep. you know, how are, how am, how am I going to say, I'm going to be UFC champion and make as much money as I possibly can and build this big platform when I can't even take care of the small things in my life. How can I be trusted with the big things yeah. if I can't be trusted with the small things? And I think that's another thing that at least I used to got, get wrong. And I think the 99% get wrong is like, it's all those little tiny things that add up. One of the things that I say on this podcast all the time in, I always need to look up the quote, so I'm sorry it's not my quote, but um, the most important thing in this world is what we think about ourselves when we are by ourselves. Yep. And the only way that I know how to increase my self-worth, self-belief, is to do is to follow through on what I tell myself I'm going to do. Yep. And it's all those little tiny things over a large thing. The reason why you may you and the other champions at your level or the other fighters at your level, yes, you may be a little nervous going in. But you know in your heart whether you did the right thing, whether you ate that piece of broccoli and chucked it down with a glass of water when you didn't want you know whether you did those 30 jabs. You know in your heart whether you did everything. Mm -hmm. And whatever the outcome is, so be it. Sucks to lose. Obviously, you want to win. But if you know you did everything within your power, then you can fight 
the best fight. And it, same thing with, with business. When I go into a business deal, same thing. Or when I go to talk to kids, same thing. If I know I've done the preparation, like wherever the chips may fall, I feel okay with it because I know I did did my best. Yeah. But it's those little tiny things over a long period of time that people just forget about. Yeah, and it really is just it really is just plain ignorance to think that success is is left up to luck. Yeah. I mean, do people get lucky? Absolutely. Sure. But like if I liken it to fighting and it's and it's the championship rounds and you're down on the scorecards and and the guy's pouring it on and he's about to beat you or in those moments, the greatest at, at your greatest opportunity or your 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 darkest moment, did you do what you needed to do? And, and I love what you said, you know in your heart. Yeah. You don't maybe you might not know it on paper, you might not know it here, there, or the other, but you know in your heart and the outcome manifests itself because of intrinsically you know whether or not you did enough or not. You lose that fight in that darkest hour. Maybe it is because you didn't deserve it, because yeah. you didn't do the right things, because you left stones unturned in your preparation, you know? Um, so I, I, I've just always wanted to put myself in that position. And now even the older that I've gotten, now as a 34-year-old, just made my UFC debut, I truly believe I have three to five years left in this sport. I believe that my best performances are ahead of me. But I do know that I am much closer to the end than I am the beginning. The, the beginning was 2009. The end, we're in 2021 right now. The yeah. end could be 2023, four or five. We're, we're only a couple years away from that. And there will come a moment when I fight my last fight and I take those take those gloves off for the last time. Mm-hmm. And I lay them in the center of the octagon and I got to go back to a, you know, the back of an arena somewhere in some some locker room and I'm going to shower up and I'm going to, and I, and I visualize this too, because this is going to be a very pivotal moment sure. and it will happen someday. I'm going to place my hands on a sink somewhere and I'm going to look at myself in the mirror Hopefully I just want to fight. Hopefully I don't have too many stitches on my face, but I'm going to have to ask myself, Michael, did you give everything that you possibly could with the talents that you were given? And I just pray in that moment that I can answer honestly, truthfully, and without regret because yeah. that moment will come. And that's for me as an athlete because I have a shelf life. Um, sure. But that happens with everybody on their deathbed. The, the biggest the biggest regret is yeah. is the things that that they didn't do the, the the discipline that they didn't have the hard work that they didn't put in the the relationships that they left un yeah unput together that's you know? my definition of hell is being on my deathbed in once again you're gonna really know whether this is true being on my deathbed going I wish I would I wish I could have yep like that's that that's my definition of, of like hell I just would never I don't want to leave anything unturned I want to have just for me I want to have as many experiences I want to help as many human beings as humanly possible because I know what it's like being in the depths of despair. Mm-hmm. And I say this all, all the time and, and it's partially true. I still have a lot of work to do on myself because there's people in this world that I hate, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want them to spend one nanosecond in that mental despair and those mental hells because it's the worst thing that you can ever go through. And so that's why I was telling you before we got on, that's why I want to have people all walks of life on because somebody listening to this is going to connect with you and it's going to get them through that that next day and the more people i can help and more people i can give my life to it makes it fulfills me it's mm-hmm. just however the universe or god built me that's just the way i have to help people in order to feel feel that so yeah it's just so so crucial one thing i wanted to ask you um before what time we got okay so with individuals at your level there's this and i mean this in a 
um, positive light, maybe we just talked about it there, is that you have like this obsessiveness about you. You're obsessed with that. And it goes with people in business, goes with high chefs or whatever. Do you think you're born with that? Or do you think you cultivated that through? It, I think it depends. I mean, I've been, I've been around a lot of high level athletes and I know there's, there's an obsessiveness that is, that stems from insecurity. Mm -hmm. I think there's an, an obsessiveness that stems from narcissism and, and that, that attainment of, of building themselves up to, to be able to feel a certain way, which probably stems from insecurity. I mean, I think, I mean, I got my insecurities, don't get me wrong, but I think, I think my, my obsessiveness has just continued to build upon itself, which each level, each rung, each, each step that I take and, and continue to grow and build this, this beautiful life that I have. Um, I think I just, the gratitude keeps compiling upon itself. Yeah. And you know, each day that goes by and each, each new accomplishment, like, you know, this last couple weeks ago, that UFC debut, now I'm ranked, you know, number four in the world. Like, did I think I would get there? I thought I would eventually, if, if I never made it there, would I have been surprised? Not quite, but yeah. am I a little bit surprised that I am there? A little bit, you know, here and there, you know, we go, th we go through all that. But with each new rung that I continue to, to, to build upon, the gratitude just gets bigger and bigger. And I, I realize that I have such a great crowd of witnesses who are seeing what I'm doing, that are witnessing me living out my dream. And as I continue to build and grow, the gratitude of it makes me continually self-reflect. Michael, are you doing enough? Yeah. And it's not, are you doing enough? Like I, I, I'm never content because I think you have to be obsessive with what you want to accomplish, obsessive in your preparation, obsessive... Um, in in your diligence to to build what you need to build but you also need to take a step back as well like right now i'm taking a step back you know like this last week i didn't i didn't work out i right. i gave myself because for me it's a physical it's a physical thing i have to give my body rest i have to eat like a normal person i have sure. to take my wife on dates and i'm gonna eat eat like an adult and i'm gonna have some drinks like an adult yeah because i just spent 12 weeks eating like a spartan right and and training like a gladiator and and you can only do that for so long before your body just falls apart right. mentally, physically, and spiritually. So I always do these ebbs and flows of 100% in, 100% out for a second, and then kind of 90% in until it's time to go 100% back in. So I just say it's it's obsessiveness with a with a sprinkle of making sure you remind yourself that you're still human, really? you're still fallible, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fail, but it's focusing on success, not perfection. Mm. that will that will continue to drive you to being successful yeah what's the first thing you ate after the fight uh it was weird we were it was i fought at 8 30 a.m so by the time it was like breakfast time you know um it was breakfast time i just ate i didn't want to go straight into uh you know eating crappy which i don't really eat crappy anyway i give myself like two three days of eating crappy and then yeah. all of a sudden i just feel my body just Ugh. hate myself my body just hates me and it's like time. dude yeah um i had um I had some, some gluten-free pasta um, that day that we, we knew the chef there at the W and, and I would obviously made me a special little oh, thing. So it was good. Nice. Well, brother, I have a few more questions for you, but before I get to them, where can everybody find you? What do you got going on? How can people get more uh, Michael Chandler? Um, so I'm, I'm very active on social media, Instagram especially, because I can do pictures and videos and I love to just 
get my message out there to as many people as possible. So I'm at Mike Chandler MMA on all my socials. Um, I also I also created something that I think you'd be interested in too. I think we, we talked about yeah. we talked about it during during the coronavirus during COVID when it seemed like the whole world was crashing down. We we had our hands tied. We were all in straight jackets sitting in our house wondering if the outside world was safe to go out or not. Right. And I realized that I, I, I saw the foreshadowing and the writing on the wall that it was going to affect a lot of people negatively yes. and it was affecting me negatively. Um, so I sat down on my computer for two days straight. I made a couple pots of coffee, a couple shots of espresso. And I sat there and I just went, 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 went. And I wrote out a, it's a 18 pages total, I believe, but it was a 14 day mindset booklet that's meant to be re- that's meant to be read as a devotional so a devotional type where day one you read day one you go through the action steps um and you don't move on to day two until either day two or until you fully digested and done the action steps for day one yeah. and for me it was just a way to i think bring value to people um give them an insight into my mindset because i made a lot of, a lot of mistakes in my career a lot of mistakes in my life um a lot of mistakes of thinking small or having self-deprecating thoughts um, so you can go to unsunggrinders.com, um, and then it's a free down, downloadable oh, PDF. Cool. I'll put it in the, um, in the description. So, yeah. So unsung grinders awesome. and it's just a, I don't know, it's kind of a, a free thing. I wanted to be able to get it out to people. And I think as of right now, we've had almost 5,000 downloads. So Whoa. we've had a, had a, had a ton of people downloading yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> and then, and then you have people talking about it on social media back and forth. And it's, uh, it's just cool, man, because it's, it's cool to, to build something and make something because I just want to add value to people. Yeah. I think I didn't truly turn a corner in my life until I, started getting the right people around me that just wanted to pour into me. They just wanted to teach me things about life. They wanted to teach me about their mistakes, their past, um, and how they overcame failures and setbacks going from setback to setback without losing enthusiasm and ultimately ended up in a successful spot. Yeah. Not to take this conversation towards this direction, because I'm sure you talk with friends, it can splinter off real fast, but you know, with the whole, I'm so excited and I'm happy that you did that because the mental health of the country before the pandemic and before coronavirus and the mental health of the world were all the graphs and data. I'm a numbers person. Um, they were all going in the wrong direction and they were yep. freaking me out. And so that's why I just want to do my part to try to help as many people. But then when the coronavirus and pandemic hit, then it was like a perfect storm of mental health degradation. You know, we're like social beings. We should be together and we can't can't hug and actually even on a biological level i just learned this is that we have cells and they're actually called natural killers and they're the first cells that are activated by touch that go to kill like uh viruses and bacteria Mm -hmm. and so by not touching those cells are starting to like disintegrate and, and not be active so they're being dormant and so but the mental health and i can tell you from my personal view i went through bouts you know through this year like going what am i doing i'm not doing enough i got to do more all this type of stuff so for you to put that out there especially coming from an elite level individual like yourself, that's freaking rad. And I just commend you. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm no, really proud I, of you for that. thank you. No, I mean, I mean, it just, cause for me, I, I just have kind of have both aspects of it where, you know, small guy from a small town, which I think tons of people can, you know, believe in it's, it's, it, it, it's for, it's for the, the high level athlete. It's for the high level, high functioning business person, but it's also from, you know, little Kevin from outside of Cleveland, Ohio, like yeah. the, the kid who kind of came from the same background that I did. And, and, probably went through the same thoughts and the same kind of upbringing and the same, like you, I promise you, you can go out there and achieve the best things in your life. The things that, that scare you, the things that seem unaccomplishable, you can, it's just going to take time. It's going to take perseverance. And most of all, it's going to take the self-love and the self-image and the self, the self-belief 
to give yourself permission to be successful because nobody can do it for you. You can yeah. sit there and tell me I'm the best fighter in the world, the best husband, the best father, the best this, the best that. But in, unless I actually truly believe it and I think that about myself, those, it's just lip yep. service. Yep. You can never make me believe in me. Only I can. Yeah. And we're what we are and where we are because of what is going on inside of our minds every single day. Yeah. That's so huge. Sorry, I'll get to my questions in a sec. That's so huge. Um, that's one of the things that I've had to reiterate to my wife is that, you know, during that downtime, she's simply the best person on the face of the planet. There's nobody, in my opinion, there's nobody better. It just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And she would give me a compliment and it would just go, it wouldn't even go in. It would just go right past me because inside it didn't, didn't believe. And so it was one of those things like you can be the best person. She would take a bullet for me. She would do anything for me. But because I didn't believe it, it didn't get through. But then mm -hmm. once you start to believe it and then she tells me something, now it's now. I mean, I would lose in 16 seconds. But if, you know, her life was in danger and I had to fight you, so be it, yeah. you know. But um, it's just so, so interesting. That self-love and self-belief is so crucial and important just to have a quality of life. Yeah. So cruising into my last two questions here on social media and everything that I've researched about, about you, first of all, and this is just from what I've seen, you look like a phenomenal father. So that's really, well, really, thank you. really, really cool. And so what, what's one personal trait, personality trait that you do not want to pass down to him? And what's one personality trait of yours that you hope you instill on him? I think, uh, you know, I, I think I've gotten much better at, at self-belief and, and thinking bigger. Um, you know, the things that I didn't get in my childhood were, were just being told that I can go do ridiculously amazing things. Like I, I pray with my son every single night and, and I make it, and, and I'm training him and visualizing him. I'm telling him like Hap Chandler is a leader. He is going to speak to his generation. He is going to be, he is going to build people up. He is going to safeguard the helpless. He is going to, he is going to advance his kingdom. He is going to enrich his community. When he walks into a room, People will take notice. When he walks in a certain direction, people will follow him. When he speaks, people will listen. When a bad thing is said about him, it will not be believed. And I speak these things over him and he doesn't understand what they mean. He doesn't understand the impact of it, but I see him as the greatest young human being on earth. And if I can just get him to believe even just a yes. little bit of what I believe about him, He's just going to be, he's not going to be bulletproof. He's yeah. not going to, he's going to fail. He's, he's going to, he's going to have the same thoughts that you and I do because we are just human to, to have those thoughts is to be human. Um, but that's what I want to instill in him. I want him to have an unwavering self-belief, not cocky, not yeah. narcissistic, not over the top, but an unwavering self-belief in himself. Um, and that goes along with the, the, the thing that I would probably want to not pass down to him is that. He's not a small guy from a small town who's going to be taught to do small things. He's not going to play small. There's nothing wrong with, uh, like one of the greatest quotes of all time is the Nelson Mandela quote, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people don't feel insecure around you. Yeah. You know, you are a child of God. You were meant to shine. You were meant to shine as children do. You are, you are meant to go do amazing things. Your yeah. greatest fear is not that you are inadequate. Your greatest fear is that you are powerful beyond belief. Sure. And it's these things that I just, I just want him to believe about himself. And, and, it, and, it, and I hope that part of the audience right now feels a little bit uh, uncomfortable with me saying that about my son. I hope some of them 
part of them because I know if I was on the other side of that camera and I was listening to this, I would probably be like, wait a second, man. Like he ain't all yeah. that, you know, like right. who is he to think that he is the best in this? And like, because as human beings, we're so, we're so afraid. And it, and it goes back to that quote, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that mm -hmm. other people don't feel insecure around you. You're not, you were not meant to shrink yourself so that my accomplishments, my belief in myself, my happiness might make you feel insecure. If anything, exactly what we're doing right now, we are trying to cultivate a conversation, cultivate a spirit with these words right now that people yeah. can say, man, if he can think that about himself, maybe I won't feel that way next week, one month, one year from now, but I feel a little bit better about myself yes. today in order to get closer to my, my dreams. And I, and, yeah. and I stand before you, a flawed individual, a guy who, who falters at times and a guy who doesn't believe in himself fully all the time. But man, I, I am... I am no longer going to second guess God's best for myself because I truly believe that every single thing in my life has been orchestrated and gotten me to this point and everything has come to a hedge and come to a head at this crossroads for me to be able to go out and accomplish great things. And I want my son to know that early. I want, I want to him, yeah. him to speak it about himself and it be spoken about him often so that he can go out and change, change the world and be a light in his generation. Dude, you, you just said something dad i've been so i'm 38 years old and my wife and i we don't have any kids and uh but all my friends do and so i'm godfather to multiple kids and uncle josh and so every time i go to the bank i always grab one or two stacks of just one dollar bills and when i go to the dinner party or when i go to a gathering or whatever all the kids know they can come over to me and if they tell me one thing that they love about themselves they get a dollar we just play, play it until they're tired or play it until I run out of the money. Mm -hmm. um, but that is from a mental health standpoint. I'm not saying it from a how to parent standpoint, just from a mental health standpoint to get in, to get your son into that mindset now. Hey, what is, what do I love about myself? What did I do good in that basketball game? Okay. You did this, this, and this good. Okay. What did you do wrong? Or what did, what do you need to prove on? Well, I went two for 10 at the free throw line. Okay. How can you get better? Well, I can do more in practice. That type of mentality and that type of critical thinking of, what did I do right? And then not being judgmental or critical, just being logistical about what I did wrong and then how to correct it is so huge. Mm -hmm. in because I think a lot of us growing up didn't get that. We got, we got awesome parents that said, I love you. You can do anything. You can be anything, which is part of it. But I, at least for me, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I didn't get that. What do, what do you love about yourself? I got a little bit berated, all mm -hmm. those types of things. So you saying that I am so stoked that you're doing that, but I'm so happy for, your son, because that's going to be him. You instilling that in him is going to be probably one of the biggest things you could ever do for that. I just think that's so awesome. Yeah. Well, and I, and I would like to, to just throw a challenge out there too. If, if you are, if you are an adult right now who has children and maybe you don't believe those things about yourself, because I think, I think what you're describing is the same thing as, as what I would, would describe about my child, my childhood. I was just a reflection of what my parents thought about themselves. And, and it wasn't that they thought badly about themselves. They just didn't think more than, they didn't yeah. think above and beyond. They didn't think exponentially above and abundantly more than you ever could have thought or imagined that you could go out and achieve in this life. So I just give a challenge to your viewers right now. Even if you don't believe that about yourself, why can't you fake it, fake it and put it into your children? Why yeah. can't you fit? Why? I mean, do, do I, did I think like say my son 10 years from now when he's, 13, 14 years old, did I think that about little Michael Chandler when I walked into a room that people took notice? No. Did it, when I walked in a certain direction where people follow me? No. But why can't my son think that? 
Yeah. Why can't he think that about himself? And truthfully, there's really no downfall to that. There's no, there's no repercussions. There's no, of course, if you keep him humble, you keep him, um, you know, not ruffling feathers at, sure. at all times. And, and he has a, a healthy self image. There's, there's really no drawback of it. So I would just say like, as a, as a challenge to the, to the listeners, fake it until fake it and pour yeah. it into your children. Even if you don't believe that about yourself, don't take your own insecurities and your, your own, um, fear of, 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 attaining God's best for your life and don't don't push it into, into them give them the, every opportunity to think that they can go out and accomplish everything that they ever wanted to yeah. beyond their wildest dreams that's awesome then just last question how do you build your self-worth um so for me it is it is doing the small things every day so that I can check things off of off of a to-do list that says, okay, I, I can be trusted with the small things. So therefore, in my greatest moment of opportunity, when that day comes, when that moment comes, when that, when that opportunity strikes, I can be trusted with the very big things. That's number one. And number two, um, honestly, it's, it's who you surround yourself with. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of people in my life um, or a lot of close people. I, I have a lot of acquaintances. I mean, as you grow, as you get older or as you get a platform or as you um, become more and more successful, there's business relationships and there's, there's friend fun relationships and there's, yeah. but the real deep connections, my, my circle is very small and every single one of those people I know, as, as you alluded to with your wife, they would take a bullet for me. They would give me the shirt off of their back and they know in turn, I would do the same thing for them. And there's a mutual love and respect but my small, that small circle that you have, they'll be there for you in a pinch. They'll be there for you in your 688 days. They'll be there for you when you're at the top of the mountain and you, maybe you make hundreds of millions of dollars and you have hundreds of millions of fans and followers and this and that. And, and you accomplish all the great things. You surpass Joe Rogan on streams, on Spotify. They'll be there for you to celebrate yeah. that. But they'll also be there for you when things go sideways or, or you're having a bad day. And, and I have those people in my life. And... I don't know how much bigger that circle is going to get. It, it takes a long time for anybody to come in, back, come into that circle and become one of those trusted individuals that I will um, really pour my heart out to. Yeah. Um, so giving yourself permission to be the best by doing the small things over and over again, again, brick by boring brick every single day that leads to success, surrounding yourself with the best people possible and just remembering that somebody has to be the best. Why shouldn't it be you? It's not that people don't do the right things. It's that they don't do the right things for long enough. So just keep moving forward. I think that's th going to be the theme or the title of the uh, episode. Give yourself permission. No. I, I don't think we do that enough. Well, it's so easy to <clears throat> give yourself permission to fail because everybody everybody does. And it's it's kind of easier. There's, yeah. a lot of there's a lot of responsibility that comes with, with gaining success, with gaining notoriety, with gaining more things, more resources. It, it there's, takes a lot of responsibility because then you just got to continue to to move forward, but it's kind of easy to just fail and be like, well, that didn't really work out. Well, brother, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know, like I said, I know you're a busy man. You got media stacked up and everyone's pulling up, pulling, pulling on you, but not to look past your fighting career, but I am so excited for the impact that you're going to do after just from, as you do more and more of these conversations, you get to kind of feel and sense somebody's mindset and energy. And I think uh, you're going to affect, affect a lot of people in a positive way. Thank you. Um, Taylor making like dovetailing off of this career that you're going to have, and you're not anywhere done yet. You got to 
get that belt and maybe when you get that belt we'll talk again but i really do appreciate it man. of course man awesome, we'll, we'll, we will do it man i appreciate it thank right. you see you at the top all right buddy remember be kind to yourself